Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to this La Liga Lowdown podcast where we'll be looking back on Sevilla's Europa League freepeat when they won the tournament in 2013-14, 2014-15 and 2015-16. I'm your host, Hugh McTeer, and we'll be talking about this achievement with all kinds of voices, some Sevilla voices and some others to tell this story. We'll start with the voice of everyone's favourite Valencia fan, Paco Pollitt, who'll tell the story of Coach Unai Emery's arrival at Sevilla and of how they made it to the final in 2013-14, knocking out his beloved Valencia along the way. Paco, take it away. It's pretty mind-blowing just how Unai Emery was able to turn around his fate in one single night after only a few months at Sevilla. But before then, plenty had happened to both the team and the manager. Unai Emery landed in the Sanchez-Pizjuan Stadium in January 2013 after a horrible stint as the head coach in Spartak Moscow, where he was sacked after only six months in the Russian Premier League. After four years in Valencia, where the only requirement and demand was squeezing in the top four spots in La Liga, by the way, he succeeded three times in that job, his Russian trip was far too short to make an impact. The play style was different, language was a big barrier to overcome, and he didn't actually have as talented players as he used to have in Valencia. So, after only two months without a job, Sevilla brought him in after sacking Mitchell. Emery signed a one-and-a-half-year contract and started to work on the team. As a journalist in Valencia, Sevilla's signing made total sense for the manager, even though his teams had never actually highlighted their defensive qualities. Having a guy as Monchi in charge of the signings meant that Unai Emery would have plenty of talent to work with both in the midfield and in front to at least score one more goal than the opposition. Also, he needed to rebound after his bad experience in Russia and Sevilla was, at that point, the closest thing to Valencia in the league as Atletico, Real Madrid and Barca's bench were out of his reach. But, you know, the transition wasn't easy. Emery improved over Mitchell's results, but that wasn't actually that difficult. However, the team were unable to make it into European spots and ended the 2012-2013 season in the ninth place. Luckily for them, and it won't be the last time we talk about luck, Malaga were kicked out of the European competitions because of a huge debt with Spanish tax authorities. So Sevilla were able to squeeze into the 2013-2014 Europa League after that fortunate twist of fate. 
In true Emery fashion, that season wasn't exactly the best one, with plenty of critical voices in Sevilla and, after the winter break, a real chance of getting the sack. But Sevilla's good job in the Europa League, with no defeats in the group round, allowed them to keep moving on to further rounds until making it into the last 16. In an incredible plot twist, Real Betis would be their rivals. A derby sevillano in Europe, you bet the tension were running high and the levels of drama were off the charts, especially after losing home to Betis 2-0 and being 90 minutes away from being knocked out. But Sevilla, again incredibly, managed to turn it around. They won 2-0 in the Bellito Villamarín, away from home, and after a super tense extra time, goalkeeper Beto was crucial to win the penalty shootout and make it to the quarterfinals. There, Sevilla made short work of Porto with a 4-1 win in the second leg. Even if critical voices were still asking for more from the team and the coach, Sevilla had made it to the semi-finals, and that's when Valencia Club de Football, coached by Juan Antonio Pizzi, came across their path. In the first leg, Sevilla dominated with a 2-0 win after NBA took advantage of an offside position to score the opener. Valencia, however, were not ready to give up. They took their fan base to create possibly the biggest, harshest, most hostile environment for the Sevillistas in the second leg. It's one of the fieriest atmospheres I've seen in Mestalla in years. Playing at their best, Valencia overturned the score, 3-0, thanks to the goals by Feguli, Jonas and Mathieu. The crowd went nuts, everything seemed doomed for the wayside, and along came the 93rd minute. Coque served a long ball from the side, Federico Facio touched it with his head, and Stefan Envia again scored with a late header to send Valencia to the ground and push Sevilla onto the Europa League final. No me jodas, coño! It was an absolute crushing night for Valencia and their fan base and a pure explosion of ecstasy for the Sevillistas in the stadium, by the way, over 5,000 strong, who yelled their lungs out with that late-game winner. Emery ran around the pitch, hugging and celebrating wildly right next to the rest of the coaching staff, angering local fans. It was, you know, a turning point in my view for both Sevilla and their coach, whose job was again on the line that night. If he had been knocked out, his firing was a strong possibility. But that goal allowed Sevilla to turn around their fate and again earn a spot in a European final. I don't think Paco is quite over that semi-final defeat yet, but what the history books will tell you is that Sevilla were in the final and Valencia were not. Sevilla were off to Turin, to Juventus' new stadium, to take on Benfica. There were no goals in this final, as it was 0-0 in normal time and 0-0 in extra time, but that only meant we got to enjoy the excitement of penalty kicks. Chris Lale, the admin of Monchi's men, remembers that final well, and Chris reflects back on that day now for us. My first final as a Sevilla fan was the Benfica match in Turin. I watched the match by myself at a local Irish pub. It was early here in the U.S., I believe like 3 p.m., and I was the only customer in the bar. I had my Canute Sevilla kit on and a Sevilla scarf around my neck, and I think the bar staff thought I was a little bit nuts. Anyway, the game was full of moments that made you hold your breath for Sevilla. The most notable there was Nicholas Perea saving the match with that goal line clearance. Uh, Beto made some great saves, and uh, we finally made it to extra time. 
and then we went to PK's, and you know, by this time, the pub had filled up with happy hour guests, and I had the whole bar rooting for Sevilla in the penalties. It was a young 21-year-old Jan Oblak versus the veteran Beto. I remember the ref making a call that Beto was off the line, and I was furious. And looking back, it was probably the right call. Anyway, Sevilla made all their PKs, and Beto saved two, including one from a young Rodrigo, the Valencia striker. It's a nervous run-up from Cardoso. Oh, and he's missed. So, we turn to Rodrigo. And he's missed as well. Oh, it's all going wrong for Benfica. Sevilla to win it. And break the hearts of Benfica again. It's Kevin Galmero. It's Sevilla's cup. Sevilla were champions of the Europa League, lifting for the third time that big heavy trophy, the heaviest in UEFA competition at a mighty 15 kilograms. Those two Benfica misses, coupled with Kevin Gamayro's winning spot kick, saw them celebrate in Turin. Remembering that that was the days before the Europa League granted access to the Champions League, their fifth place finish in the league meant they'd be back in Europe's second tier competition in 2014-15. They tried to win it again, of course, although they do so with a different squad, a slightly different squad, at least. To talk us through their 2014-15 run now, here's Sam Leverage. The summer of 2014 began with celebrations for Sevilla fans, but they didn't last long, as in early June it was confirmed that star player Ivan Rakitic would be leaving the club in what now seems like a minuscule €20 million Euro deal to take him to Barcelona early on in the transfer window. He came back two weeks later to say goodbye to the fans and said, I'll always be a Sevilla fan. And 500 fans came to say goodbye to him themselves. They queued up at the gates of the stadium and then were allowed in to come and wave goodbye to the Croatian. Denis Cherishev, Michael Marin, Diego Perotti and Alberto Moreno had also left the club that summer, leaving some gaps in the wide spaces. But they acted quickly between Monchi and Emery. They brought in the likes of Gerard de Lofeu and Alice Vidal in the flanks. And then they also moved quickly in the middle too, with Denis Suarez, Eva Vanega and Gregor Grigoviak all coming into the side to form a new look midfield. Of the five players to make the most appearances in 2014-15, four of them joined that summer, and that's not including Iago Aspas. With so many new players coming into the team, though, it was perhaps expected that they got off to a slow start, particularly in the Europa League, where they failed to win a single away game in the group stages. And it went down to the final day until they finally secured qualification for the next round. There was one critical moment in the group campaign against Feyenoord, Raika and Standard Liège. It came in Croatia against Raika, the minnows of the group who nobody expected to put up too much of a fight. Stefan Ambiet was relied upon to score an injury time equaliser. Sevilla had gone 1-0 up in the game and fans were quite confident, quite optimistic until a red card and a penalty turned the game on its head. Unai Emery reacted, bringing on two defensive players forever, Benega and Carlos Baca. But in the end, it was Mbia, the defensive player who came on and fans weren't convinced by their whistles from the away fans. Mbia went on to score the injury time equaliser with a 91st minute strike, which proved to be decisive in how the group would look at the end of the campaign. It was again Laika who would prove to be the opponents in the final decisive game to see who would go through to the next round. And it came in December having won just two from their last seven games in all competitions. Only 25,000 fans coming to the Sanchez-Pizuan Sanchez to cheer on their team in that game. 
in the end, it was no cause for concern, though Dennis Suarez scoring the winner to help sure, ensure that they would go through to the next round. In that next round, it wasn't an easy tie, though, as Borussia Mönchengladbach put up a fight. Ibora scoring the 1-0 goal in the first leg, with Carlos Baca and Vidola making sure that the second leg was a cruise control matter for Sevilla. The next round was even more challenging, though, as it pitted them another all-Spanish tie against Villarreal. And they were a team who were hard to beat, not an easy team to play against at all, and they had a real clear game plan. But it took just this long for Vitolo to score the opening. Vitolo scored the opening goal just 13 seconds to disrupt Villarreal's game plan entirely. The fans and the players at the home stadium looked confused. Vitolo was wildly celebrating and it turned out to be the decisive moment across the two legs as Sevilla would go on to beat Villarreal across them both 3-1 and 2-1 in the second leg, rubbing salt into the roots with a 2-0 win in the league only three days after that second leg as well. In the next few rounds, it would be the late goals, the opposite, which would be so decisive, with five goals in the last five minutes in the knockout stages, and none of them were more important than against Zenit, where Denis Suarez scored the winner in Seville in the 88th minute, and then Kevin Gamero scored another winner to decide the tie in the 85th minute in Russia in a real thriller in St. Petersburg. In the semi-final against Fiorentina, it was perhaps the easiest of all of the ties for the Spanish side. It was all over after the first leg, with a comfortable 3-0 win for the hosts. And then they travelled to Italy in a game which was marred by violence before the match, with fans being attacked in bars the night before the game. And Sevilla got the job done, running out 2-0 winners to set them up for another Europa League final. Back in the final, this time Sevilla were off to the National Stadium in Warsaw, Poland. Awaiting them there were Ukrainian side Dnipro Dnipro Petrovsk, a club that was actually dissolved last year. But in 2015, they were a tough opponent on a fairy tale run and Sevilla had their work cut out. Nikola Kalinic, who was playing for Dnipro at the time, scored the opener just seven minutes in, but two goals in three minutes from Krakowiak and Baka turned it around for Sevilla. Ruslan Rotan's free kick just before half time, though, capped a great first half, making it 2 2. This was to be Sevilla's night, though. This was Sevilla's competition, remember. In the second half, Carlos Baca scored his second of the evening, finishing emphatically after Vitolo had pinched the ball high up the pitch and played them through. Once again, Sevilla were Europa League champions and, once again, Chris Lale was watching on from the States. Here's what he remembers about that final. For the 2015 final, our Spanish cousin Miguel Sevista from Sevilla just happened to be visiting. So we hosted a watch party at Ocelot Brewing here in Virginia. We had Ryan Moore, another Monty's men member, join us along with some family and enjoyed a thrilling game while snacking on some jamón, chorizo, and manchego. The game ended 3-2 with Baca scoring the winner and Krakowiak opened the scoring on his home turf there in Poland. Dinepro had two great goals as well. It was just a well-fought contest, and Sevilla raised their arms in victory once more to 
take on that fourth trophy. Yes, a fourth time winning that competition and a second in a row. We all know that they went on to make it three from three in 2015-16 and we'll be discussing that after this short break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown podcast where we're looking back at Sevilla's historic three Europa League titles in a row. We heard in the first half of how they won the tournament in 2013-14 and in 2014-15 and that brings us on to the summer of 2015. Carlos Baca, who we heard in the commentary being the hero of the 2015 final, left the club for AC Milan in that summer. But as always, Monchi found a few gems to restock the squad. They also had Kevin Gamero, who'd been there since 2013, but who was about to take a huge step forward in the absence of Baca. Let's hear about Sevilla's 2015-16 season now from Alex Fitzpatrick, starting off with the fact that Sevilla weren't actually even supposed to be in that season's Europa League. Sevilla had originally qualified for the Champions League and found themselves with the toughest draw of all in the group of death from England, Manchester City, Juventus of Italy and Borussia Mönchengladbach of Germany. The draw had not been kind, but they started the group well with victory over Mönchengladbach. Their good form would not continue for long though, as they went on to suffer four consecutive defeats and only clinched a Europa League spot by virtue of a victory at home to the old lady Juventus in the final group game. After clinching their third place finish in the group, their prize was a spot in the Europa League draw with many joking that they'd only finished third so they could retain their trophy. Back in the draw for the Europa League, Sevilla were under real pressure to win the competition that season. 
Domestically, they were really disappointing, eventually finishing the campaign with no La Liga wins away from home and in 7th position in the league. As a result, as the season went on, the pressure was on manager Unai Emery to deliver in the Europa League. The difficult season was punctuated with a handful of big European results. Despite struggling domestically, Emery seemed to be able to get his side up for the cup as they progressed to the final of the Copa del Rey, eventually losing out to Barcelona in extra time. The one that had a special place in the heart of the Sevilla faithful, though, was the Europa League, where they hit the form in the big games. After falling from their tough Champions League group and into the Europa draw, their fixtures against strong opposition in the group of death turned out to be a blessing in disguise, as they swept away Norwegian side Mould 3-1 on aggregate before dispatching FC Basel, this time 3-0. Both ties saw Sevilla run out convincing winners in the home leg before getting the job done in cautious fashion away from home. The Europa League quarterfinals saw them face fellow Spanish opposition Athletic Club, a side who would eventually finish 10 points and two places ahead of Sevilla in the La Liga table that season. In the first leg, Sevilla travelled to San Mames and remarkably ran out 2-1 winners. The job was not yet done though, as Sevilla had to host the Basque side in the second leg and it proved more difficult than many may have thought, having seen the first leg result. Athletic Club quickly drew level on aggregate when Adoris got his second of the two-legged tie, but they couldn't hold their advantage for long as Kevin Gamero equalised, putting Sevilla back ahead on aggregate. Athletic Club weren't beaten though, and they had a late goal of their own up their sleeve as Raul Garcia took the game into extra time with his 80th minute goal. Following a tense and hard-fought 30 minutes, which saw seven yellow cards brandished, the game went to penalties. Goalkeeper David Soria would prove to be the hero, saving Athletic Club's fourth penalty, and with Sevilla's spot kit takers keeping their cool and slotting home all five of their penalties, the save proved to be the match winner. The semi-final would be against Shakhtar Donetsk, with Sevilla travelling away to Ukraine in the first leg. They raced into a one-goal lead with the dream start, Vitolo finding the net after only six minutes. They wouldn't have it all their own way though, with Shakhtar first equalising and then going ahead 2-1, with this game lurching from one direction to the other and turning on its head before the half-time whistle had even been blown. Sevilla had an away goal though, but if they could take the game back to Spain for the second leg all square, they knew it would be a huge advantage with two away goals in their pocket. Cometh the hour, cometh the man, and that man Kevin Gamero would prove to be crucial again, calmly slotting the penalty away to level the game. The away goals weren't without a cost though, with Crondelli having to be taken off after dislocating his kneecap just 13 minutes after coming on as a substitute himself. The second leg would be a different prospect altogether. Spurred on by the partisan crowd at the Ramon Sanchez-Pizuan, 
that man again, Kevin Gamero, latched onto a slack touch as Shakhtar played the ball around at the back and slotted home to put Sevilla 3-2 up in the tie. Shakhtar, though, would just not lie down. They shocked the crowd by levelling things back up at 3-3. Shakhtar counter-attacked at pace. The ball was threaded through to Eduardo, who calmly dinked it past Soria. Often goals just before half-time can knock the stuffing out of sides, but Unai Emery clearly used it to spur his players on to greater things. And Shakhtar's lead didn't last long, when right after the break on 47 minutes, that man, again, Kevin Gamero, struck, rounding the goalkeeper and squeezing the ball into the empty net from the angle. The goal put Sevilla back ahead, but also gave Gamero the opportunity to pay tribute to his teammate, Crondelli, who was injured in the first leg. After scoring the goal, he ran across to the touchline and held up a shirt bearing the name of the Danish midfielder. Sevilla were buoyant and back ahead at 4-3 in the tie, but weren't ready to sit back. And they capped off their evening with an incredible swerving hit from Mariano, who struck the ball from the corner of the area, bending it low around the defender into the bottom corner of the goal. With 30 minutes left and a two-goal lead, the game was dead and buried for Shakhtar. Sevilla had made the Europa League final again. They sure had. For the third year in a row, Sevilla were in the showpiece event. They'd already won it in Turin and Warsaw. This time they were off to Basel, where they'd be outnumbered by travelling Liverpool supporters. But on the pitch, it went Sevilla's way. Here's Sevilla fan Chris Lee once again to reminisce about this one. It was Jurgen Klopp's first season in Liverpool and he had him playing really well. I was nervous. I didn't think we could pull off a third in a row, especially playing a giant club like Liverpool. Me and two other Munchies men supporters got together at a local pub here to watch the final. It was the three of us and one lone Liverpool fan in this deserted bar. Anyway, the match starts and Liverpool were dominant early. Carrizo had to save a shot off the line and then Sturridge scored that stunner of a goal. I didn't lose faith though. Sevilla always finds a way to fight back and boy did we in the second half. Immediately after the whistle, Mariano gets the ball. He nutmegs past their old boy, Moreno, and he delivers a beauty of a cross that Kevin Gamero just has to pass in the back of the net. Moreno with the first defending. Here's Mariano. And he's done well here, Mariano. And he tees it up and it's the perfect start and it's Gamero. And that's how you start the second half of the European final when you're behind and Sevilla's danger man punishes Liverpool. Not long after, Koke scored a goal and then followed it up with another one, and Liverpool never really threatened in the second half. Before you knew it, Sevilla had won their third uh, Europa League in a row and fifth overall, and we saw our great manager, Unai Emery, move on to PSG for a different challenge. Yes, Unai Emery departed after that third success in a row, and Kevin Gamero and a few other players set off too in the transfer market. Jorge Sampaoli came in for a Thrilling but trophyless 2016-17. Sevilla haven't won any trophies in fact since that night in Basel, but the memories of those Europa League successes live on and are still treasured at the Estadio Ramon Sanchez Peace One. Gregor Chappelle is La Liga Loden Sevilla correspondent, so let's bring him in now to discuss the legacy of this repeat. Gregor, how do the fans still view this unprecedented success even now in 2020? 
Champions League qualification or at least a good Europa League run is what Sevilla fans expect and want these days. And when you go to the Sanchez Pizjuan on the facade of the stadium, um, which faces onto the main road in Nervion, they've detailed all the major trophies they've won, including these three Europa League titles. A lot of the fans around the stadium still wear the shirts from those finals. They're obviously very proud of those achievements. And we can't forget as well that this kind of European pedigree goes a long way in attracting players to the club. Players want to win things and play in Europe, and Sevilla is a club which is synonymous with that. The reputation they've made for themselves from these wins will go a long way to help them replicate something in the future. These way, these wins did a lot for the mindset of the whole club. It turned them into a club with a winning mentality and a desire for European success. And whenever you talk to any Sevillista and ask them about a moment which sticks out for them, they always mention these three years. They see it as the biggest moment in their history, having won the competition for a record number of times. They consider the Europa League as their trophy and the one they always want to win the most. I mean, of course they want to be in the Champions League, but there's a sentimental value around the Europa League. It's really special for them, and it's something they'll tell their kids and grandkids about. And maybe in the future, those kids and grandkids will see something similar. I'm sure that Sevilla will win this trophy again. I'm sure about it. And when they do, it'll be something very special. The Europa League is often looked down on. It shouldn't be. For clubs of Sevilla's size, you can build your entire legacy on it. That brings us to the end of this podcast. I've been your host, June McTeer, and I do hope you've enjoyed it. I thank the various contributors we've had in this episode. Paco Pollitt, Sam Leverage, Alex Fitzpatrick, Chris Lale, and Gregor Chappell. Thanks as well to you for listening. Until next time.